Hi, I'm Kate Bailey. I'm a coach, an author and a sober mama. And this is Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. Hi and welcome back to Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. And today I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Sarah Levine. And Sarah's uh, a coach. She's a holistic mindset coach and works with women in recovery. And she's also a writer and the lover of creativity. Hi, welcome, Sarah. So lovely <laughs> to you. meet you. It's really yeah, nice we- to meet you too. So we uh, we always start with a bit of a check in, just saying, you know, just kind of land, really have a bit of a chat. How how are you today? And where are you today? Where am I? I'm in my office in Toronto, Canada. Geographically speaking, I am uh, landing here in this space with you. Um, I'm getting over a, a cold, and I um, it's kind of the residual. Uh, leftover uh, elements of this kind of ongoing sickness that I've had for about a month. And I, it's funny because I was thinking about it this morning and about how um, I overdid, I have a habit of overdoing. Can you relate? And I have like, I had a, I had, I overdid it in November and then all of December I was under the weather and I, uh, I was thinking in my, my meditation this morning about how incredible the mind-body connection is and how it didn't let me get sick when I had everything booked on my schedule. And then the moment that I had time during the holidays, it was like it made up for lost time. And now I'm still getting over that. So excuse my kind of nasal hoarse voice. But other than that, I am great and I'm happy to be here. Oh, welcome. Yeah. And and yeah, it is the season, right? Mm-hmm. The bugs and the colds and the mm-hmm. and the low. And I really feel that like there's a real, I don't know if it's ascending Canada, but in the UK, I think people listening in can relate to just heavy things mm-hmm. feel mm-hmm. heavy and low and dark mm-hmm. and wintering. And it's like, mm-hmm. don't make me speak to anyone and go out or mm-hmm. do anything. I mean, the, so. the interesting piece of it is that it it it's forced me to rest, which is not as someone who overdoes. It's like, it's actually been an interesting month of being like my, my own body forcing me to rest. And so I'm trying to, to incorporate that in this year for sure is more rest, Mm. more downtime, more balance. Yeah, me too. I was thinking about my word of the year and I, I had various things and I went to this, um, It was a a lovely, just before New Year, uh, I'm a member of a beautiful yoga studio in the yoga community. And and my friend who owns owns the yoga studio, she said, look, come come to this. Because often, you know, I hold space as a coach and always doing this, this and this and don't generally get that myself. For yourself, yeah. um, Yeah. And she so she said, come along. And one of her yoga teachers was doing this lovely intention and reflection so closing down the old year, opening the new year, mm. but in this really embodied kind of, we did a lot of visualization and lying down and then journaling together. And Beautiful. I got a completely different answer. And I realized how much last year felt like the fire and yes. I was knackered and I just wanted yeah. water and to yeah. let the life and the river do more. And for me to do less, it was like, be in flow like ride the wave that's already there and do less yes 
it's beautiful. I'm hearing you. Beautiful. I'm hearing yeah. you. So yeah. we're starting in from a very similar similar position today. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're both very relaxed. <laughs> yeah. So we, you know, we start off obviously, you know, that that bit of a check-in, but if you mm-hmm. could just sort of tell the listeners a bit about what brought you to the decision to be alcohol free in your journey. Yeah. Um alcohol free. I uh I, I always feel like I came in the side door to recovery um, from alcohol. I had, um, I have a, a, a relationship with another um, recovery fellowship where I, I had some, um, uh, some time in and as a sort of support to that program and that fellowship um, with that substance, I would go to open AA meetings in my area um, to kind of just get like a, a deeper impact into the the recovery that I had for this other substance. So, you know, that had been ongoing. That was part of like my toolkit for that, for that um, issue. And so I feel like in some sense, I was downloading recovery from alcohol throughout that experience into my mm. subconscious mind. So that when I, you know, years later got to the point where I I kind of hit a bottom with alcohol. Um, I knew exactly where to go. I knew yeah. I had heard all the stories. I had seen people um, recover. I had seen like miracles happen. I'd heard all of it. And um, and so I knew exactly where to go. And I would I would say like I, I didn't immediately um identify that alcohol uh was the problem funnily enough i i think like i always think of my bottom with alcohol as um the the point at which i just i i i wanted so dearly to stop wanting to die and mm. hitting the bottom of not wanting to go on and having all of those sort of meetings in my arsenal sort of simmering in my in my mind for all those years i think i just followed my feet to a meeting and actually sat in a room as someone who was looking for sobriety rather than supporting another addiction, uh, recovery mm. from another addiction. So I, I, I do always feel like I kind of came in the side door that way, but um, it was a, a mental unraveling. I was high functioning um, and just, I think I was not high functioning emotionally and spiritually and mentally mm. on the outside yeah. things were looked great right so that, yeah, that so there's a yeah. few things there that in mm. terms of so so alcohol being your not your primary drug of choice mm-hmm. um so that being the secondary but also this kind of yeah the sort of a mental health piece yeah. there that was yeah. really sounds like that was really linked with the alcohol I mean yeah and I I just couldn't connect that what happens in the um what happens like to the chemistry of my body in hangover states like in what happens to me in that is what's causing the desire to not want to go on that is what's causing those low bottom mental um mental blank spots like those places where I where I was where I felt like I needed to get out and I didn't link it to alcohol because I didn't drink every day 
because I didn't, you know, I was high functioning because I had a job because most of my relationships were intact. I just didn't identify, even though I had heard so many stories. So thank goodness I went regardless of that. I, you know, one of the greatest things I heard uh, early on in my recovery was listen for the similarities and not the differences. And so the beautiful thing about that was the following my feet to the meetings. I couldn't relate. I just knew I was in the right place, you know? So that was, that was kind of like how I got there for sure um, in a roundabout way. Yeah, I've had an eating disorder for most of my life. Before I found alcohol, I found food. And um, even primary and secondary, I, I, I really see it's like um, I just self-medicate. And mm. I'll use sort of what's readily available. And as a 12-year-old, food was so much more uh, available to me than alcohol and drugs. So um, it was all kind of, for me, it's kind of relating back to that same um, foundational uh, trauma and, and, and um, wound. And yeah. so alcohol, any, you know, three garbage cans and two lids, something's always going to kind of be up for me or be exciting yeah. to me or be able to, to numb out or escape from. So um, yeah, that first little while, uh, I, it's interesting, I had a very different experience than I did in the, in, in the other fellowship because I immersed myself immediately into that recovery program. Um, I did all the quote, do things, you know, I got a mm -hmm. sponsor, I went to meetings every day, I literally made recovery a full time job other than, you know, my full time job, like every evening, every weekend. And mm -hmm. um, I moved away from the things that were uh, that made drinking look desirable again. I stopped going to bars. I start, you know, so I started like creating relationships and sobriety that kept me more um, linked in so that I wasn't on the periphery, right? I was kind of really in the center of it. And that created um, a lot more ease in building this life in recovery. Because so much of my life before was linked to alcohol. Mm. How I made friends, how I met men, how I was social, how I relaxed everything, how I rewarded myself, how I celebrated myself, um, how I commiserated with myself. Like everything was, mm. was around alcohol. So how do you build a life from that place? Unless, you know, I know from mindset work, like if I'm not, if I am trying to, uh, shed a habit or something that's not working for me and I don't replace it with something positive, it'll just automatically replace with another negative thing. I've seen it happen over and over again in myself and others. So it is kind of this replacing one world that's fueled by alcohol in some sense or connected to and replacing it with this one that was my introduction to recovery, which was through AA. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Thank you. I resonate with a lot of that, you know, I'm thinking though, so the more I go down and, you know, the the longer I go in, in sobriety or recovery, like I didn't even use like the word recovery when I first got sober, I was like, oh, that's not for me. I just, <laughs> I hate that word. Like I just, why did you, why celebrate? did you hate it? Because it sounded to me, neg it sounded negative and I negative. needed my, I, there was so much negativity out there. And oh, in the yeah. UK, there was mm. not a positive, in any way, a positive sobriety or recovery movement. We mm. go about 10 years. It was mm -hmm. like so taboo. And wow. so I was like, 
no, I need this to be, I need this to look pretty and I need it to be really positive because otherwise I'm not going to want to do it. Because right. I felt I had a lot of shame to heal. I had a lot of complex trauma and which yeah. I didn't know I had because I didn't know about yeah. things like that then. Yeah. So, um, so I hear, you know, I hear that. And I remember Dawn Nichol, who um, the She Recovers, the founder of She Recovers said, you know, we're all recovering from something and yes. she said to me it's always trauma there's always a trauma always it's so true right yep. so now we it's like you said there's that 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 so I would say yeah I mean alcohol was my the substance but my before might have mm-hmm. looked like I don't know perfectionism mm-hmm. um you know the obsessional behavior around certain things you know that there was that what you what I found in sobriety and recovery was that sort of almost like a pathway a structure yes. tools for living to yeah. then just live and yeah live, replace it I mean and also not to just keep running a, an inch or two ahead of the trauma like we're not just like putting a band-aid on some gaping wound here we're like healing in recovery for me is really about healing that wound and not about you know what alcohol drugs shopping men like all of it you know food it Mm. all sort of just put a band-aid on it gave me a short-term relief but you you can't put a band-aid on a gunshot right so like gun wound or you know so I I think that that's really been the focus of recovery for me too is like going into that um healing that wound and that trauma for sure yeah and also acknowledging that I'm so grateful that I had those things when I did because that kid I mean the beauty of Anne's um writing class of writing your recovery is I've had this incredible experience of going back into my past like writing my recovery I start I started where the trauma was I started in childhood, started writing about this stuff that I hadn't really poked around with like at for a long time. And um, it really helped me to see that I needed those self, quote, self-medications to survive. But no yeah. one ever kind of took me aside years later and said, it's safe now. You can feel these things now. You can do this now. And so that's why at 27, I had this um I was I was still I was still medicating the same way as I did when I was kind of amidst that trauma as a child yeah 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 and you you know thank you for sharing that um and you've touched on then you know what where we're going to sort of go next really in terms Mm. of talking about I guess this is isn't it and it is the name of Anne's course um Mm -hmm. and Alsa Johnson um Mm -hmm. And she, the the amazing course that she runs called Writing Your Recovery, and I guess that's what we're talking here, right? Isn't it? It's mm-hmm. how how you how do you maintain your and you know work through your recovery in terms of creative processes and writing? Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't always write. I was, uh, you know, when people would suggest journaling I would you know get nauseous like I was so adverse I it never appealed to me to put pen to paper um 
I did all the other do things, right? I did all the other suggestions, but I was so resistant to writing in any way, um, even journaling. And so um, what's been really interesting is I, Anne and I and the course um, intersected at just the right time where I was open um, and, and had the desire to actually start to... Um, to write and to see what would happen. I was purely curious. I wanted to see what this was about. And I, 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 I wanted to see if I could write it. I was so, I was just, it was curiosity. And um, the container that Anne has created for, for women like me um, and women in, in recovery and recovering from anything I've met amazing women from all walks of life and recovering from all kinds of things. It has, it, it, it kind of uh, ignited something in me that I didn't even really know was there. I, um, I can say, you know, that through the course of her writing I, or in, in the, her course, I have definitely healed some old stuff, like some self image stuff. Like I, started drinking and doing drugs and stuff very early on. And I left high school in grade uh, 10. And it was always a really huge source of shame for me was that I didn't graduate high school. And so the idea of me joining a writing class was so pushing me out of my comfort zone. And it was, it felt so risky, you know, um, it felt like I'd be found out. There was, who am I? to want to write a memoir. Who's going to want to read that? Who's, you know, and all the, the the delicious questions come up and I worked through them and I did it anyway. And Anne really helped me with that. But, um, you know, having done multiple rounds of, of the course, like I, I can sit here and tell you I'm a writer and I'm really good at it and I love it. And I have found this, um, this passion like that I didn't even really know I had for most of my life. Um, and this other way of communicating, because I love communicating, but I didn't, there's this whole other like medium that I had, hadn't even encountered yet. So that on its own is a huge gift. The other thing um, about like the writing and the creativity is uh, being able to look at my past and my journey from my eyes today, from the perspective of the woman I am now at 42, I got sober at 27, and I'm writing about stuff that happened when I was 12. So that has been incredibly healing to be able to, to take, you know, things that happened to me now, or then, as a child, and look at them through the eyes of now I'm a mother of two, I have the compassion for the child I was going through these things, picking up alcohol, doing the stuff we do when we're drinking um, that I never could have had. And I have an insight into what she was going through, that that girl, um, that I never had before. It's really helped me to heal a lot of my past. Um, and it's actually illuminated some things that I had um, stories about. But actually, when I investigated these, the, the the truths around these things, I get to change my mind about what I'm believing to be true about them, which is huge. Yeah, there's such a lot of agency 
in yeah. there, isn't there? Yeah. And I love, yeah. do you know what you're reminding me of? I'm, I, because I did, I did Anne's course last summer. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there was some kind of catalyst that mm. happened with me last year. It was a very, this is not my podcast, so I won't go on about it. <laughs> I want to um, hear. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, I've been writing uh, non fiction. Um, you know the so quitlet if you like so mm-hmm. two books mm-hmm. I've got two books out um, but I'd never done the kind of memoir stuff and and so I I started working with Anne um, and what came out of of you know writing these sort of patchworks and vignettes mm. almost quilt you know, squares and, yeah the quilt squares <laughs> was it just went back to childhood like you're saying it just went back to childhood and I remember Anne saying to me there's something because there's this stuff going mm-hmm. on with my teenage son at the moment and mm-hmm. I was often just turning up to a to a caller and sometimes in floods of tears as she yep. it's like yeah yep. um <laughs> that's great welcome Kate that's Kate's yep. tears again um but that was fine <laughs> and what was amazing was it was a writing course where you could do that it properly because yeah. she's a therapist she can hold that yeah. space yes therapeutically and safely for people yes. right so she said I'm sure there's something around teenage something around teen there's something around the teenagers here wow. you know because I was faffing about with different uh, ideas anyway long story short I end up after a car crash in the summer thinking I can't like oh, there's some now all the all the, the the trauma that that's been building up through all the all the things I now oh, yeah. can't process that shit quick enough because right. now I've have a have a shock trauma on top of my yeah really. don't know why I'm laughing it's not funny stop laughing right. Kate um and so I end up go to therapy and so I end up doing for internal family systems which is all that stuff around you know the adult the da, da, da. and what I found is the teenage bit is like fuck you yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like my little ones my little my inner you know the younger ones are all fine uh-huh. you know we can chat about them we can go there uh-huh. and I'm like nah my my yeah. team does not is not um interested in particularly talking to anyone she's like she's your firefighter she's really is and I'm yeah. like just I'm fine with that and I yeah and you know what I'm done with that right now yeah so I really love what you're saying and I have been working similarly in that way of as an as our adult selves in recovery reclaiming that agency as adults to look at these look at these parts right it's, mm-hmm. And how beautiful to do it creatively with Anne, because I also feel that when you do something like that, when you do it through a modality or in a medium like writing, it's mm-hmm. almost like there's a little bit of a safety wall. It's almost like one step removed so you can apply it creatively, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's through a filter in, in a yeah. sense. And you get to choose sort of how much of how vulnerable you want to be and in that sense, it kind of puts control in the hands of when there's trauma, likely someone who hasn't had control in, in times yeah. when, they, when they craved it or needed it the most. Yeah. It's interesting. So it's built talk, in yeah. consent there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, just feeling the, like you said, agency, like having that control. Yeah. Um, so much of my own uh, coaching and, and what I, what, what, what I do and what, um, what I what I've experienced through the writing with Anne is the same. Like um, is go, is through IFS through internal family systems, and what Anne's uh, 
the writing your recovery course started to give me and I could see was this relationship with all of my parts. All of, like you said, you talked about the teenager, my like strongest inner, that voice, that the biggest firefighter, the biggest like is she's about 13 and her, it will be on her like tombstone. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to like spelt wanna W A N N A. Like I don't want to. And it is, it's, honestly like the that work the ifs work the writing your recovery work those two things kind of intersected at the same time and it it's allowed me to ha- develop a relationship with myself in a new way and none of that would be available to me if i was drinking or medicating all of this happened when i cleared the channel yeah. Between like all those parts and the core self, which is undamageable, which is perfect mm-hmm. and intact and wise. And so the more I I write about m- me and all the parts of me that create a 42 year old, the, the more first, the more OK and accepting and loving and compassionate I am towards them. Oh, my gosh. But also the more I see their like the innate wisdom and like I kind of look at some of the the stuff I did and those that 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 teenager did at the time, and I'm like, you go, like, good for you, you know, you had to do those things. And like I said, like no one sort of took me aside when I was older and said these parts can calm down, these parts are mm-hmm. okay. And in writing and connecting with those parts, I do that now all the time. I talk to them, I tell them it's okay. We're not at that place that I was writing about last week in the workshop, you know? So it's been, that is such a healing process, all those things together. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I, I totally hear you, you know, and I really resonate. I really resonate with you. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? That we seem to have had a little bit of a similar yeah. <laughs> kind of experience Yes, with, yeah. with that. And mm-hmm. I do, you know, I, yeah, I mean, this that there's something about that, the creative process, the ability to play with narratives mm-hmm. and voices mm-hmm. that works very well with that therapeutic approach. Oh, I mean, like they're like birth hand birth, in hand. Yeah, they're like best yeah. friends, right? Totally. So, yeah. You know, Anne talks a lot about quilt squares, which I love because the idea of writing anything was daunting when I started. And I mean, I went in cold into my first uh, group and like, there are some really phenomenal writers. I was hearing them just read their, their work and going like, Oh, I, I'm in the wrong place. Like, <laughs> I felt so out of my desk. And I love that Anne is so great with writers of uh, like of all stages of work, you know, um, of all ability and all experience levels. And she talked to me so much about quilt squares. And so I love the idea of that writing a small chunk. Basically, I took a memory and I wrote it. And that was a quilt square. And um, like you just said, that quilt square is usually written in the voice of the age that the memory occurred. So like you're really, it's a time it's a time it's tra- time time travel. machine yeah yeah it's a time travel it is oh cool 
so cool yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and I agree I I, uh, I found I found it's it's lovely it's like being put, like in this little club with her <laughs> I, I just really liked her the fact you know she knew when to push me as well when to oh. go okay so what's yeah. the point of this like let's yes. when you know just called me a little bit and it was like yeah yes. okay now I need to just stop faffing and kind of and, and get some structure or I need to do this and I need to do that and and just yeah in the most nurturing way and so lovely to be with other with other women you know mm-hmm. sharing mm-hmm. sharing their writing mm-hmm. um I just wanted to ask you as well about other maybe other bits and bobs in your toolkit in your recovery toolkit mm. um well there's a few th- one is community like it's a huge part of my life I'm not I'm a, I'm a I'm a bit of a lone wolf I'm an introvert that can present as an extrovert so I like to uh, I definitely need alone time and I I'm really good with smaller groups my coaching is is like a smaller more intimate group of women um and I think uh that I learned like this is something that I I kind of adopted from early on in in recovery rooms right I'm going to recovery meetings um and what I got like truly understood was that I wasn't alone was that even like the the things that I think especially early on that were so grotesque or that were like quote take to your grave things that had happened or I had done in my life like the the most one of the most powerful experiences is going into a community of people and snitching on yourself or sharing something that is so such a source of shame and having the room look like a bunch of bobbleheads nodding along because they've done it too. <laughs> and that is why, like for me, community and a, a, a female community is is so big. So I feel like I have kind of put that everywhere in my life. It's in my coaching and my career. It's in my um, my recovery world. It's in even in my friendships are smaller, like groups of women. So yeah, definitely community. And um, like in that also being accountable to to people in that way, not being able to fall off the periphery, you know. Um, for me, there's a huge element of spirituality, of a connection to a power greater than myself, um, that I call source or God or what have you. It doesn't matter, but just that it's not me. Um, oftentimes that's the universe for me, you know. So I um I find that that is a huge one that I go to every day. And one of the biggest, biggest uh, most important valuable things that I do on a daily basis is meditate. And my meditation is breathing based. Um, and that is, if I don't start my way, my day that way, I, I, it's, um, it's, it impacts like the next 24 hours and I have a busy yeah. life, you know, with kids and work and husband and everything. And um, it's like, it's required it's a re- prerequisite for the day mm. for sure the oh, the other thing i would say is um i don't stay in a painful place for too long so i don't let uh, a bunch of monkeys pile up on my back if i have something that's uncomfortable that i have to do i tell someone immediately um and i give myself a deadline for putting it off cuz that kind of shame and anxiety that makes me slip into wanting to escape 
And I can't, I can't afford to have things in my life that I need to escape from. Yeah. So yeah, I love that. I love what you said. You don't stay in a painful place for too long. And I love that. Mm. And it's just reminded me of something someone asked me um, the other day. And she said, how do you, you know, she was so curious. How do you, how do you sit with feelings? Like, how oh. do you do that? Right. And yes. I was like, well, I said to me, no, she said, how do you sit with like painful feelings or something like that? And I said, well, to be honest, I don't. Mm-hmm. And like, I try to find out what the need is and what the hurt is. And then I do something yes. about it. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah. what's this sitting with it? It's like, I, I don't know. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I kind of understand the narrative, but I think it's. Yeah. I think it can be misinterpreted when I actually agree. we might need to n- nourish our nervous system or journal yes. out or what do you need, sweetheart? We're not going to just uh, leave that poor little bit just feeling shit. No, gonna meet no. That need, so. Totally, totally. I, I, I think um, it's like a balance between not staying in a painful. I, I think this a lot as, as a coach. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you like get this too. It's like wanting to not dip into like toxic positivity where we're like, don't feel that negative feeling. You know, feelings are crucial running from them is actually going to drive me into numbing and into escapism and into self-medication so it is this balance and I always find like for people who are um kind of new to feelings one of the elements in my program is like emotions 101 because a lot of adults I know don't know how to express or process feelings is literally naming it like a child this is anger this is sadness, not I am anger, or I am sad, or I am angry. But this is, I'm experiencing Mm. this. And the crucial thing is separating the feeling and emotion that we've named from the story we tell ourselves about it. Mm. And that's why like, you know, in in 12-step program, we do inventories, where we write down the stories, the resentments, we write down, like the the story we tell ourselves over and over and over again. The more we tell that story over and over again, the longer the the emotion resides in us and it can't actually be processed. And what I know, what we all know is when we bury our feelings, we bury them alive. They're not going anywhere. And so if we're not processing them and allowing them without creating a a hospitable environment for them, right? At the same time, the balance, then we get, you know, emotionally congested yeah right yeah 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 I feel strongly about feelings (laughs) yeah yeah good no I hear that and I love what you said that that the separating that from the story that we yes we tell ourselves again and I love that like I've been working with the kind of mantra this too at the moment not this too shall pass but this too so whatever is I need to you know whatever is presenting I go well okay well let's what happens if I just allow that? And often yes. it just, passes. you know, it just passes and then it passes yeah. through and it's like, okay, yeah, yeah. you too, it's fine, you know. It's like- I had a therapist who said, like, I haven't lost someone yet from from processing an emotion. Like, <laughs> we're so resistant. Yeah. Why, and I think it's partially why I was so resistant to writing. Because what I know now from having taken round after round of writing your recovery is that with Anne is that I know that it won't like it's writing can help me access those emotions faster because it transports me to that time, like we said. But 
it gives me that opportunity now to process some of the older feelings that I've probably left. Like I said, I hadn't touched some of those memories in so long. Yeah. So it is really like a, a portal. Yeah. Will. And I think that um, there's something that's just kind of glimmering away from me that what you said about, you know, it's like the women's circles, the oral tradition, the mm-hmm. writing, there's this always, this is all circling around stories and narratives and sharing, which is, yes. feels like what we need. I feel like that's what we need to be doing as, as, yes. humans, but as women is to as gather women. intentionally yes. and tell mm-hmm. stories in whatever mm-hmm. way we do. Um, yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, if not just because for decades and decades, if not like centuries, we've just been taught to not get together and to be, you know, foes rather than, uh, friends and so it's really powerful I agree with you wholeheartedly mm, yeah oh I just want to take a moment now just about that <laughs> just letting it all land let it in it yeah and yeah. so what um you know what's what what projects are you working on now what's coming up for you I, I mean I'm working closely with Anne to work on um my memoir and I'm I'm devouring this process like it has been it's it's a light in my life. I love the process of writing, of crafting my work. Um, I love having a community to bring it to. That is, I've never had that before with writing ever. Um, having that in a safe place, safe, like loving feedback. It's not, yeah. it's like, it's constructive, but it's also loving. I didn't want to be beat up after I put my soul on paper out there, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, I, so I'm working with Anne on that, and um, you know, I continue to work in my coaching program and community with, you know, which is a lot of mindset and IFS, like we talked about, mm-hmm. and healing, um, because I find a lot of women can get um, alcohol free and sober. Um, but then like, that's kind of where it ends. It's like, that's the, the, that's the top of the mountain. And I, I disagree with that. I think it's a great jumping off place. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, we're coming to the end, but I just want to finish with, um, we always say, what's your reason to love sober today? Oh, well, this, (laughs) (laughs) being (laughs) I mean, for one, <laughs> being yeah. able to have like what I always call like soul diving, like to be able to be on a call and just go to the core and the, <laughs> the meat and potatoes in literally minutes. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't, I would run from the hills if I was not sober. Like I would not be able to be doing that. And I think like ultimately I am living a life that is aligned with my who I am, my values, who I know myself to be. And before when I was drinking, like, I didn't even know who I was. So my life did not reflect anything authentic much for me. So I, I, you know, family and yeah, it's so full and wonderful. What is there not to love sober today? (laughs) I love that. Thank you. (laughs) That's brilliant. That's brilliant. (laughs) 
That's a good flip. What is not to love about being sober? <laughs> Amen. So thank you so much. It's been fantastic. You've really My cheered me up. Pleasure. Oh, good. Oh, yeah, good. I've come good, finished because it's like the night time for me when I'm recording this. So I finished the day with a glow. Thank Off to you. bed. <laughs> yeah. So if you're immediately concerned about your drinking, please do just reach out, send up a flare, find a community that kind of can support you. There's so many online. Um, you can always reach out to me kate at lovesober.com and i will see you soon for more